Welcome to the Three Strands Church Sermon Podcast. Thank you for joining us. It is our hope and prayer that you will experience God's blessing in your life through our ministry. At Three Strands Church, our goal is to create a culture of redemption where people are free to experience the truth and grace of Jesus Christ. Hey, everybody. So, um, as David said before, I'm Kayla Smith, and I was like looking at this earlier and thinking, like, this is crazy that my name is at a church in McCreary County, and I'm about to preach to you all. Like, that is crazy because um, if any of you all knew me when I did live in this county, um, the only one that I really recognized was Kyle Heath and Abby, of course, but Kyle's a little bit more around my age, but I just remember looking back there and being like, dang, like, those are two completely different people, like, in comparison to, like, where I was to where I am now, and so like looking at this laughing like oh my goodness God is crazy because to think that I would come back to my hometown after I graduated high school and was like I'm never coming back here (laughs) and so I graduated um, about four years ago so I'm a senior at Campbellsville University now and I'm studying marriage and family ministry with a minor in psychology which is crazy in itself to think that um, just God would work in all of those ways and then bring me back here to speak to you all so I know that the Lord has something incredible Um, to speak to you all today because God has been taking me through so many incredible things. And it's the crazy part about God and your stories and what's happening in your life is that if you allow it to be, it's not just going to be for you, it's going to be for the benefit of others. And so today I'm going to share with you all um, a lot of different experiences, but I wanted to start at the point of how I got connected here at Three Strands. And um, a lot of you all know Kenny McKinney back here. He's just hanging out back there. (laughs) He is a phenomenal man, um, incredible. I cannot put into words like how much God used him in my life while I was in high school. Um, I remember having these little conversations with him, and he does like FCA and some um, like gym classes and things like that. But I just remember like being at school, like I was in this crazy relationship, and I would always talk to Kenny and like, Kenny, I hate this school. I hate this place. Like, when am I ever going to leave here? And he was like, you know what? God is good. And he would always come to me and talk about God. And I was like, Kenny, I love you, but like, I'm not trying to talk about Jesus all the time. <laughs> and um, But God planted so many seeds in my heart through him to the point where this past summer, I needed an internship credit to graduate from Campbellsville. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to go to Louisville, Kentucky, do um, an internship at this church I was already connected to. And then one day I was sitting at a coffee shop, and I just felt like God was like, Elevation Church. And I don't know if many of you all know Elevation Church, but it's like one of the fastest growing churches in the United States. They have 18 locations, and they're moving to like online locations like Toronto. um, And they're basically just growing rapidly. And so for God to say, hey, you're going to go to this mega church where there's like 25,000 people like attending, I was like... (laughs) that's a joke like I'm probably not gonna do that but when you tell God you're not gonna do something typically he leads you to it anyways and so I remember looking at my budget and I was like yeah God absolutely not there's no way I'm gonna be able to go to this church no way I'm gonna be able to afford this this whole summer because it was a 12-week program and um, I just remember saying you know what I'm gonna fill out the application if it's the easiest thing to get into I'll do it and so I got into the program and very competitive. A lot of people don't get in, but I had gotten in so quickly, and I was like, okay, this is the Lord. All right, God, this is funny, but I still don't have the finances. 
And so I, I made this little template, little letter, like, hey, family. I was sending it out to, like, a few people. My, um, my family, they're not necessarily religious or Christian, so, like, I would be like, hey, I'm trying to do this, and I need money. And they would look at me like, hmm, that's funny. We all need money. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. So um, I remember I sent it to Kenny, and then Kenny said, oh, phenomenal. Like, I'm definitely going to help you out. And I got connected um, with David and Stephanie. And guys, like, when I tell you that you have some incredible pastors, like, I could, like, go into tears right now about how much they have, like, encouraged me and supported me, and they didn't even know me. Um, I remember going to their house the first day, and they said, tell us your story. And I was just in tears, and I was a wreck, and I was a mess, and I was like, that's my story. Sorry, I'm, like, crazy, have a crazy life, broken family, addiction, abuse, all of these things, but, like, this is me. And I just remember them looking at me and saying, "Um, (laughs) no matter the amount, we are willing to provide support for you. And at this point, like, I'm not saying I needed $50 a week. Like, my budget was, like, in the negative thousand, you know. So I was like, that's a lot of money. Like, I definitely don't want you to, like, give me all this. Like, I don't even know you. And they just said, we believe that God is calling you to do something. And it doesn't matter, like, what relationship we have right now, but it matters what God wants to do in your life. And we want to be in that journey with you. And so they helped me, and they provided for me. They sent me care packages over the summer, had me in tears, like, incredible people. And so, like, you all are so, so, so blessed to have some amazing pastors that genuinely care about God's people, but even more than that, what God wants to do in each of your lives individually. And the prayers that I've been able to be a part of with them, like, their hearts are so evident in this place and in your lives. So I just, like, hope that you guys recognize that and, like, thank God for the fact that you have amazing pastors because it's very... It's very nice, and at times it can be very rare. So um, you all, you all are a blessing to me. So just thank you for that. I appreciate it so much. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about my summer um, and what happened throughout the span of my summer. So I was on this great spiritual high. You know how sometimes you're like, "Yeah, God is good. I feel, I feel the presence of the Lord. Like Jesus is great." That's where I was until about. May, towards the end of my semester, I was exhausted. I'd been doing ministry. I'd do like three different ministries on campus, and I was like, I'm exhausted, God. Like, what's happening? And then I had one of my best friends from summer camp um, pass away to a drug addiction. He had overdosed, and my heart broke. And I tried to repress all the emotions, and I was like, I'm not going to feel this. Like, I'll go to the funeral, go through these things. But I don't know what to think, and i got to go to Elevation, and I have this mission trip, and I'm just not in a good place to be doing all these things. And then fast forward to the summer, um, I had um, my my father is diagnosed with cancer, and he's going through treatments, and I'm at the same time like, man, I don't even have a great relationship with my father, and he's going through all these things, so like, where does that put me emotionally? And I'm doing all these things, I'm not at home, like, what do I do? And then, bam, right after that, my grandfather passes away. <laughs> so this summer has been crazy. Um, and it's my depression and anxiety went from a place of, like, not being there to becoming so strong throughout the summer to battling with that. And I want to take you all to this place with me, and I wanted to be this vulnerable with you and tell you about the things that are happening in my life because it's not necessarily about what we go through, but it's about what we choose to let God create in us through these experiences. And so I really wanted to give you all a visual of what's happening in my summer. I think we have a video, so we're going to go ahead and play that now. Um, And this is kind of like a recap of our summer, my experience, so you guys can kind of see like what you all let me be a part of through your church.
What has God done through me? I think one crucial thing that God has taught me, it's actually part of the elevation culture, but God really instilled it to me over these past um, two and a half months, is that my attitude is my responsibility. My eagerness is my responsibility. My grit is my responsibility. Something that I was struggling with coming into this internship was how to use my gifts, how to step into my calling, and something that God has really taught me in this season is that it really starts with people and it starts with loving people. One way I think my confidence grew through this internship is my supervisor. He just really encouraged me to walk in confidence and walk in authority. Come in and don't let what you expected it to be hinder you from receiving what God planted in this season for you and like what God is telling you in the moment. I feel like a completely different person from the the first week. It's just so crazy to see how much I've grown. I feel like if anything, I've learned a lot more about myself and who I am in Christ. Coming to this internship, I struggled with a lot of anxiety and I was battling depression. And within that, I came here feeling like I need to do this and this and this, or I'm just not good enough. Um, I had this constant feeling of, man, God, I'm trying and I'm trying and I'm trying, but I feel like I'm not getting anywhere in this relationship. God really shifted me spiritually and he just said like, Kayla, like, bro, <laughs> dude, I love you for who you are. Like, it's not about what you're doing. It's genuinely about who you are in me. I think just one of the biggest takeaways from this season was um, how God has used the people and the teachings and the situations I've been put in to grow my confidence in myself and trust in Him um, that He's going to fulfill um, what He promises. This internship has just shifted me spiritually and shown me like <laughs> who I am is enough and it's not about what I can accomplish or who I can become in this successful, crazy world that we're in. But instead, it's just about knowing like, yeah, I am a daughter of, the, of God. And like, I really am loved by Him. And so this internship has shown me that it's not about the quiet time that I get. It's not about hours spent in prayer, but it's about who I am when I don't have time to be sitting down and still. And if that stillness can follow into the times where everything's crazy. I think what I'll miss the most is having a group of people around me, basically at all times, that care so much about growth. Not only my growth, but their own growth. Because while it's encouraging to have people cheering you on and rooting you on, to just see them so after their own growth, that's so motivating and inspiring. If I had to give you one piece of advice next intern class, I would say to not give up. There's going to be times when it's hard. There's going to be times when you thought it was going to be something different than what it is. And there's going to be times when it doesn't feel fun. You're going to wake up at 4 in the morning, 5 in the morning, because your supervisor wants you to do crazy things. Don't tire yourself out. This is a long internship, and you've got to keep it consistent. Like, keep giving the same amount of energy that you give week 2 that you give it to week 12. And you might not even see the value in some of the things that you're doing now, um, but it's developing something inside of you because God placed you there for a reason and the fruit of that will show itself later on. So just keep pressing through, make it through the entire internship with a great attitude, working as hard as you can, and it'll totally be worth it. Next intern class, get ready, buckle up, lean in, take notes, don't take this for granted, and finish this thing all the way through. Intern game out here, we be looking sick. Getting coffee, making copies. And be okay. a hero. Look up. Oh, no, no, no. You don't understand. You're not even supposed to be. Don't take that. No! Oh! Yeah! 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 I want to run over for me. 
you're a tall person. And so, yeah, as you can see, that was my summer in a nutshell. Lots of fun, lots of craziness, lots of worship, lots of tears. Um, and everything that each of them said individually in the beginning stands so true. Um, my summer was phenomenal, so thank you guys for that. Um, I couldn't have been there if it wasn't for um, the way that you all contribute to this church and the way that you all contribute to this church, so thank you. Um, so with that, I kind of want to go into some things that God is teaching me now, but I just want to pray over you guys um, so that you can fully receive what God wants to say to you um, and how he wants to say individually. So if you don't mind bowing your heads with me. Dear Lord, um, I thank you for transformation. I thank you for the fact that you can take us from one place and bring us to another, and it just comes with saying yes, and it just comes with listening, and it just comes with allowing our walls and our hearts to be taken down. So God, in this moment, I pray that the walls that are surrounding hearts and the clouds that are surrounding minds in this room can be lifted. God, I pray that you can come in and you can speak through me, God, and that it's not about my words and it's not about me being up here, but it's about the fact that you've prepared something for your sons and daughters to hear. So, God, I pray that you empty me. I pray that you hide me behind your cross, God, and that you speak a word to them, a word that um, <laughs> of endurance. Um, of love and of grace and of power and of strength, God. I pray that each person in this room can be filled with your spirit and a renewal of what you want to do in them, God. We praise you and we thank you. Amen. So I kind of want to go into this journey that God has been taking me on recently because as you can tell, summer was crazy, things were crazy. Um, but... <laughs> It's interesting what God will do whenever you're hungry for him because he doesn't want to stop helping you grow. But the part in the process of growing comes along with your ability to say yes and your ability to stay hungry. And so I want to take us to James 1. We're going to go on a little bit of a journey on that. Um, and we're going to be in James 1, 2 through 4 for now. And it says, Faith and Endurance. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So, let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So I take you there because God has taken me there for the past month. Um, I have been in a place where 
My endurance and my faith has been tested over and over and over and over again. And I feel like all of these, I told you all a little bit before, like I grew up in a family with addiction and and, um, drug abuse, physical, mental, sexual abuse was happening as I was growing up um, until about high school. And so there's all of those years that I ended up repressing because I didn't want to think about it. I didn't want to talk about it. On the outside, I was the girl that was an athlete that got along with people outgoing. But on the inside, people didn't recognize what was happening happening and it was because I didn't allow people to and so God had taken me on a journey this summer to really look at myself like who are you and let me let me tell you who you are and so it comes along with um, a new place right now where God is just hitting me with these things that I have to pull up because sometimes whenever we run from things they get so deep down inside of us and when we ask God to pull them up and help us grow he will and so Recently, I've been in this place where God is pulling up a lot of um, things out of my heart that don't need to be there, a lot of broken places and a lot of places that need to be healed. Um, And it came a lot through this James one passage. And the reason I'm starting here is because the whole concept that we're going to be discussing today is your faith and your endurance in your faith. And if you don't have a faith, I want to give you an idea of what it means to say yes to God. Before you even say, I'm going to commit my whole life to God, I want you to understand like God is so, so good. And the faith that comes with the journey is amazing. And the endurance that he will build in you will change you. And it will create something so strong within you. And it's so, so worth it. So whether you're someone who doesn't understand faith or whether you're someone who's been walking in faith, this message is for you. Because at both ends of the stick, you're going to understand the character of God in one way or another. So please open your heart and open your mind to what he is going to say through me. Because in James 1, 2 through 4... We talk about the um, difficult parts of life. We talk about the patience that God tells us to have. And here he says, consider an opportunity of great joy. And thinking like, okay, God, I'm in this awful place and you're telling me to be joyful? Like, hmm, I don't know about that. Like, how am I supposed to have joy when I don't feel joy? How am I supposed to be happy when I don't feel happy? How am I supposed to go and lead people when I don't feel like I'm a leader? Um, And so... I was having this conversation with Seth over here, um, blue shirt, and we were just talking one night, and I just remember him saying, like, yeah, one day, not one day, but, like, it was, like, elementary school, and I don't know what, like, y'all used to pack your lunch, or you would go to the lunch line at school, or what would happen with your whole, like, eating lifestyle, but I will tell you, I have to eat something new every day or I get tired of whatever I'm eating. But this man over here told me that from elementary school all the way until high school, he packed the same lunch. And I was like, wait, what? And I remember just turning like, you had what? A peanut butter sandwich with a bag of chips and a Capri Sun every single day. Like, guys, every day from elementary, middle school, high school. And I was so shook. I was like, what does this mean? Like, how did you do this? And in my mind, I'm sitting here thinking, okay, cool. There's no way I could ever do that. That would be the worst thing in the world. I would not be able to endure that. Like, that is terrible. Did your family, like, force you to do that? You just, were they lazy at packing your lunch? He's like, no, I just, I just wanted that for lunch. And I was like, that's weird. (laughs) And so it took me to this place in my mind, because like God will connect dots if you let him in the weirdest ways. But I just started thinking like endurance, this thought of endurance in his perspective, man, that was the greatest lunch ever. Like I could eat this all the time. Like I'm going to enjoy this. I'm content in this. From my perspective, I was like, 
that would be the worst. Like I would hate every single bite. I would hate every single day I had to do that thing. But it takes me to this place in my mind where I'm thinking, how many times do we do that in our everyday walk with God? Or even if you're not feeling like you're walking with God in your everyday walk in general, how many times do we sit here and we feel like we're in this continuous spell of going and going and going and we don't enjoy it and we feel like we're enduring things rather than having this perspective of contentment and joy. And so... After we had that conversation, um, I got into the Word a little bit, and I just started thinking, God, okay, I'm preparing for this message, but what what does that mean? Um, What does it mean to be able to have contentment? What does it mean to be able to have joy? What does it mean to be happy when you're not in a place or a season, and your external circumstances do not feel like it's a place of contentment and happiness? And so I asked God, I said, God, I I need some practicality. I need to know how to actually live this out. How do I actually do these things? And he took me to Song 27. So we're going to go there, and we're going to go through Song 27, 1 through 6. So I'm going to read that for you all. And it says, The Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger, so why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I am attacked, I will remain confident. The one thing I ask of the Lord, the one thing I seek the most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. For he will conceal me, There, when troubles come, he will hide me in his sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. Then I will hold my head high above all of the enemies who surround me. At his sanctuary, I will offer sacrifices and shouts of joy, singing and praising the Lord with music. And so we're just going to kind of pick apart this because it might seem a little simple. It might be like, okay, there's attacks, there's things happening, da, 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 da. And when I first read this, I was like, God, what in the world? Why'd you take me here? Like, and when I say take me here, I was literally thinking like, God, I, I want to be practical. So I'm praying. So I know sometimes people will say stuff like, God took me here. Like, what does that mean? So for me, it meant I'm looking at my Bible. And then I, I thought of song and I was like, oh, I haven't really read that in a while. So I flip over, I flip over. 27 stood out to me and I was like, 27. I've never really dug into that. So that's how God took me there. And then he revealed stuff to me as I was going through it. So sometimes it's just about opening the word and saying, God, where do you want me to go? And taking it step by step. And so for me, that's what it meant when God took me here. And so in that beginning, I was taking this apart, like dissecting it, like one through six, what does this mean? And the first thing in verse 27, one says, two things are happening here. Because he says, the Lord is my light, my salvation. So why should I be afraid? The Lord is my forces protecting me from danger. Why should I tremble? And the first part of that, God said, hmm, why don't you question yourself rather than questioning me? And you see, the writer of this song, David, that's what he does. He questions himself. Why should I be afraid? Why should I not be confident? And rather than questioning the character of God, he states who God is. And so there's this place where we have to come where we question our motives. We question our character. We question why we're doing things. And then we declare who God truly is. Now, God is not someone that I'm just thinking is out to get me. God is not this person that I feel like doesn't care about me, but instead he is good, but I won't know that he's good unless I can get into his word and understand his character. And so I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, okay, God, this is who you are. And this is what David 
says in this song, and it really, it really got to me because for a long time I was like, God, I know what you've done. I know Jesus Christ was your son. He came, he died on the cross, and he did this so we could be free of our sins and all these things. So I, I understood the gospel. I was like, I know what you did for me, God, but I know that you're taking me to heaven, but what, what does this mean? Like, who are you? I want to know the character of who you are. And this is what David says to us. He says that God is light, salvation, and a protector. And so I'm one of those people that when I first went to college, I was like, oh, I'm going to be an English major because I like to write and read, and that's what I want to do. And it turns out that's a lot of work, and I was, like, not as passionate about it as I expected. So um, there's a few things, though, that I still picked up, such as, like, defining the words of everything whenever I'm trying to learn something. And so I started looking up definitions of these words, and it says light. What does it mean to be light, God? Like, okay, you're light. What does that mean? It means, light means that it makes things vis- visible and it brings understanding. So what does this mean for God? It means that he brings understanding to our circumstance and he brings visibility to things. And so a lot of times we feel lost and confused. Like, I don't know what decision to make. I don't know what to do in my marriage. I don't know what to do in my family. I don't know what to do in my relationships. I don't know how to raise this child. I don't know how to do these things. But God is saying, no, it's okay because I'm the light. I'm the one that can guide your relationships. I'm the one that can guide your marriage if you just let me because I can make these things visible to you. I can make that career, that job, that frustration at work, I can make a visible way for you to understand how to get through it if you let me because that's who he is. And then we look at the word salvation. What does salvation mean? It means deliverance from harm or sin's consequences. So God has already delivered you from this place that you feel like you're stuck in. He's already taken you out of that because that's the character of God is to be delivering you. And he's already delivered you through his son. And then we look at the third thing that David says, and he says he's a protector. And God keeps you safe. He's protecting you. He's walking with you. He's taking you through these things. And he's got his arms around you. And it's just a matter of you recognizing that God isn't trying to harm me. He's not trying to trip me up. He's not trying to trick me. He's protecting me. And so those three things were what God showed me. Like, this is my character, Kayla. And those are the exact three things that I've been questioning for so long. Like, God, are you trying to confuse me? Because I don't know what I'm doing. God, are you trying to help me in this situation? God, are you even here? Are you keeping me safe? Are you trying to protect me? And then he reminds me, this is who I am, Kayla. This is who he is for you. And so we look in the next few verses, and we talk about um, when we're under attack. And David's talking about being under attack. And so we look at 2 through 3, and it talks about when evil people come to devour me, my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Their almighty army surrounds me. My heart will not be afraid. Even if I am attacked, I will remain confident. So we look at these things, and we think about war. We think about being attacked. We think about all of our enemies. But sometimes our enemy can be ourselves. Sometimes our brokenness and our humanness can be the parts of us that are being attacked. Sometimes we make bad decisions. Sometimes we end up in these places we never meant to be at and we feel like there's an internal war happening and it's like how do we get out of this place how do how do I walk out of this how do I do these things and the thing about it is God is saying whether the war is literally outside and there's people and circumstances that are coming at you and you can't figure it out or whether it's something that's happening on the inside there's two things that he's saying in this area in 27 2 through 3 and he's saying one do not be afraid And two, remain confident. And so I was thinking about this concept of fear. 
And I'm a questioner, so like, I'm sure God just has a good time with me, but I'm like, God, what does it mean to be afraid? Like, okay, I get it, but what, what is fear really? Because this just seems irrational. And it turns out fear is irrational. Like, it's literally just an emotion, and this emotion reacts to a perception or a thought that there's danger, that something's going to harm you. And so when you find your pl- yourself at this place of fear, ask yourself, what am I afraid of? Because it's just an emotion that's coming to scare you from the enemy or from a situation that doesn't need to occur. And then the next thing is to remain confident. And in that, a lot of the times, our confidence can be dwindled down, especially when we're in these places of fear, anxiety, depression, frustration, anger. Your confidence will lower. And so what he's saying here is that the the enemy will come to you and he will tell you that these things are happening like your mind and your heart will be troubled. But what do we do when we're feeling attacked in these places in our confidence and in the place of fear? What do we do? And in the reality of that, all we have to do is pray. And I think sometimes we forget we forget how vital it is to just talk to God because we're like, I don't want to pray. I don't want to spend hours just sitting there praying, talking to God. But I promise you that it is the best possible thing that you can be doing with your time. And the second, like, I feel like there's always like this much space between like me and God whenever I'm struggling with something. I'm like, God, you're all the way over here and I'm over here. So instead, I'm gonna just chill because eventually this is going to pass. But I'm, I've noticed in my life that when I decide to start praying, I just start moving closer start praying for a little bit, a couple of minutes, and I'm moving closer, moving closer. And eventually I get to this place where I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel so close to God and I'm understanding the light. I'm understanding salvation. I'm understanding all these concepts. And you get so close, but it's like, are you going to pray? Or are you going to talk? Because if you have a best friend or a spouse or you're in a relationship with someone and you're never talking to them, guess what? You're going to feel far away from them. But the more that you talk, the more that you're going to understand that person. The more that you talk to God, the more that you pray, you're going to understand his character. And so in these moments where you feel like you're enduring something in your life, where you feel like you're going through something and you don't understand it, you need to be praying for your security and confidence in God. You need to be praying to not operate in a place of fear, but instead operate from a place of boldness that you're not going to be afraid of the circumstance that you're in. You're not going to be afraid of a decision. You're not going to be afraid of these things because you're not going to operate from that place. But you can't do that alone. And so you have to bring it to prayer. You have to pray to God. You have to ask him for this confidence. You have to ask him to operate from a place of boldness because if you don't, then you're just trying to do it on your own and you're going to stumble and fall. And so I want to jump down next to this concept in 27.4. And it says, The one thing that I ask of the Lord, the thing that I seek the most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. And so, again, there were a few things that came to my mind in here, three things specifically back here on the screen, but they were... um, to be with him, to know him, and to change my focus. And you're thinking, how did you get that from one verse? What is this? But <laughs> he says it right here. We go to four. The one thing I ask the Lord I seek, and I seek the most is to live in the house, um, the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And so I was talking to a couple of friends, and I was like, what does it mean for you to live with someone? I want each of you all to think about who you live with. Think about their personality, what it means to live with them. 
if you think about that for just a second, then you will recognize that when you live with someone, it's not just the physical aspect of sharing space with them. It's the relational aspect. Like relational aspects of living with someone can be really hard. Like you can live with someone and love it so much and be like, man, you're you're awesome. Like, I'm so thankful that I get to hang out with you every day and we see each other. Or you can live with someone that is not cool to live with and you're like, like, one time I had this horrible roommate and this girl literally would never do the dishes and she wouldn't, like, just leave all of this stuff and I would be like, bro, like, you can really clean this, but I'm just going to do it. And so there would just be so many times where I would be like, can you just help? Can you just do this? And I would get so frustrated. And so it's like, every time I went home, I would get frustrated because I would see a mess or I would see my clothes everywhere. Or I would see things just like all this stuff all over my house and I would get frustrated so I wouldn't come home as much. And how many times does that happen with the relationships with the people you live with? How many times does that happen with your friends, your family, your spouses? And I thought about this concept and I thought, hmm, David is begging God to just live in the house of the Lord. So what does that mean? That means that you are in this place with God consistently where you're not frustrated but you're in the presence of living with him every single day because he can live inside of you in your heart in your mind and so we think about that and it's like yeah be with him acknowledge that you're with him don't try to run from home but allow yourself to recognize that home is on the inside of you and God is can be on the inside of you if you allow him to and if you accept him and so the second part of that was to know him deeper, delighting in his perfections. When you know someone, you can enjoy them. But you can't enjoy them if you're not trying to get to know them. And so you have to find this concept of knowing him and delighting in him. And then the last one was changing your focus. So I was looking at this word meditation, and I was like, that sounds kind of like strange, like meditation. But meditation is actually just focusing changing your focus. And it says meditation means the focusing of one's mind. And that word temple, when it says delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple, the word temple means a dwelling place devoted to worship. And so if you take meditation and you take temple, one is focusing your mind and one is um, a devoted place of worship. If you take those two things, God is saying, change your focus. Because sometimes we think about things and we're focusing on things, but they're not the right things that we need to be focusing on. And God's telling us, change your focus, shift your focus. Instead of focusing on these things, you need to focus on the things of me. And so to meditate is to just simply focus yourself in the place that is devoted to worship. So if you can make your mind a place where you're worshiping God consistently, it's going to come out on the outside. It's going to change the inside. But all you have to do is begin to meditate on his temple. Focus your mind on a place of worship. Focus your heart on worship consistently. And then we're going to switch over to five. And it says, for he will conceal me there when troubles will come. He will hide me in a sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. And this is crazy to me because it's just like the results aspect, right? Like God will conceal you. He will hide you from trouble. He will take you from this place where you're struggling and you feel like you're enduring and you feel like you can't see the end and he'll bring you to another place and he will take you and he will hide you from all of that trouble. And then he says, he's gonna take you higher. And so it says right here, He's going to take you out of reach onto a higher place. So you might feel like you're here right now. You might feel like you can't see where you're going. You might feel like you're crawling through. You might feel like your faith is literally this big. You might feel like God's not there. But what he's saying 
is that it's just a process of being lifted. And if you go through these things and you allow God to change something inside of you, he's going to lift you higher to another point. He's going to put you on a rock. And how many times do we talk about God is a rock? He is solid. He is a foundation. Like God is trying to take you to a new place, but you have to be able to say yes to the process of getting yourself there. You have to go through a struggle to get to this place where your promise can be there because This high point that God's trying to take you to, this rock, this amazing place where you're like, this is God, this is good. I'm on a firm foundation and I know who my God is. I know where I'm supposed to go. That's not going to happen unless you're able to take yourself through the process of God trying to lift you up by going through the things that we've talked about. And so when you're on that rock, you're able to say, look down. And he says here, looking down at my enemies who surround me. Like, ever have those moments where you look at, like, some old stuff or, like, some things that happened in your past and you see how you've grown and you're like, ha that's crazy. I can't believe that happened. Like, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I did this. And you're looking down, but then you look up and you're like, wow, like, I really am changed. I really am different. But it's because God is taking you to a new place. But you have to allow that process to happen. And so... We think about the results of all of it, and we think about what that means, and we think about, okay, God, this is what what you want to do, the process, putting me on a a higher place and a higher rock. Then we get down to 27.6, and it says, Then I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me, and at his sanctuary I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, singing and praising the Lord with music. And so the first thing I thought about looking at this from the fact that he says my head will be high. When your head is down, you don't have confidence. You're kind of struggling. You're doing your thing. When your head's held high, what does that mean? You're at this new place. You're at this place of confidence. And that's just a promise from verse 3 when he's talking about I will remain confident. But you're going to remain confident when your head is held high because of the process that you went through. And so... This verse is being carried out here from three to six in such a short amount of time. And he says, we must display a sacrifice of joy and praising. And so he talks about music and singing, but like, it goes back to the process I said earlier, like when I don't want to feel like praising God, when I don't feel happy, when I don't feel good about myself, when I feel like I'm going through all this and I don't see the end and I feel like I'm doing all these things, I'm praying, I'm in the scripture, I'm doing all these things. And I'm like, God, I don't feel you. I don't feel your presence. What does that mean? He says, praise me anyways. Worship me anyways. Let me love you anyways. Even if you don't feel me, I'm here. And so if you feel disconnected in your heart, then know that I'm here in your mind because it's gonna be a reconnect. You're gonna begin to understand me again. But he's saying, you have to sacrifice something. I need you to sacrifice your praise, your honor, your worship, your time. And so when you don't feel like doing it, God is saying, just sacrifice it to me because I can be here. I will be here. I am here. And so it's a matter of saying, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be joyful. I'm going to love people. I'm still going to continuously talk to God and pray to God and do these things because there's a promise that's happening. It's just in the process. And it's in a process of enduring what's happening in your life right now, regardless of what that looks like, because it's creating something new in you. And so I remember there was this moment in the summer, and I'm going to ask um, our worship team to come up. But there was this moment in the summer where I just remember, you know, it was right after my grandfather passed away. I don't know when that was, maybe like week seven out of 12. And I just 
I went to see my grandmother, which is like my best friend, and it was the most heartbreaking thing I've ever seen in my life. I mean, she was crying, she was a mess, and I just remember thinking, God, I don't wanna go back to this internship. Like, I don't wanna do this anymore. Like, I can't do this anymore. And my dad was sick and all these things were happening. And God took me to Mark 4. And I don't know if you all have read Mark 4, if you've heard of Mark 4, but Mark 4 is basically um, an area where there's a story of Jesus. And he's taking the disciples on a boat to cross the lake. And Jesus says, come on, come on. Let's get on the boat. Let's go. We're going to go across the lake. And a storm comes. Jesus is asleep. He's, he's resting. And the disciples start freaking out. There's waves crashing into the boat. The cells are being torn. Things are happening. And so imagine where you are right now. Imagine the scenario. Imagine maybe, maybe you're at a great spot. That's amazing. But maybe a past situation. All of that stuff that's happening. The waters are coming in on you. The waves are coming in on you. You feel like your boat is falling apart and you feel like you're going under. And in this moment in the story, Jesus looks at the disciples and he says, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And he's, he's out there and he's, he's on the water and he stills the water, and calms the waves, everything. The waves are rushing in, but fear takes over the disciples. Fear is taking them over. Their confidence is dwindling. And they're in this boat with the Savior of the world, and they're still afraid. And they're still losing their confidence. And man, how, how, how many times do we do that? We know we have God, but we still allow fear to run our lives. We still allow our confidence to dwindle. But in that moment, Jesus just asked them, why? So today, I, I believe God is asking you all, why are you afraid? Do you have no faith? Do you have no faith to step forward for your sign of publicly declaring that the Lord is your Savior in baptism? Do you have no faith to obey what God told you to do last? Do you have no faith to even just open your heart for a second to maybe even just receive God for the first time? Why? Why are you afraid? Why are you afraid of that next decision, of the next step, of the season that you're in? And so in that moment, I remember reading that scripture and thinking, God, I feel like I'm not at the end where everything's calm and everything's good, but I feel like I'm in this part where the waves are crashing. I feel like I'm in this part where I can't see that there's going to be a calmness, that I don't, I don't see the end point. But I want to. I want it. I want to. And so Jesus said, well, what did they do? The disciples cried out and they said, Jesus, where are you? Don't you care? So it's okay to question. Question God. He's big. He can answer. But the disciples said, God, where are you? Do you not hear us? Do you not see? Do you not see the boat? Do you not see the water coming in? And instantly, Jesus came in calm and peace and light. Protection came across them. It was a matter of them calling out to him and just saying, hello. And so what happened after this story was that their confidence was renewed. 
they saw another character of God come out that they hadn't seen before. They didn't know Jesus had control over the natural world. They'd only seen him heal people. But after this whole process of being on this boat, they saw that he has all the power. He has the power over the natural world. He has the power over people. He has the power over our safety. And so their confidence grew and their fear was gone. But it was a matter of them calling out to him. And so we're going to jump to back to Psalm 27 just for a minute. I want to end with this because I think this is so powerful. And I pray that you guys won't just hear this, you won't just hear this message, but you will go home and you'll dig into this word for yourself because there's so much more to unpack. And there's so much more that God wants to say to you that I maybe didn't hear in that moment. But there's so much that he wants to say to you individually. We're going to go 27-7. And David's praying to God. And he's at that spot where maybe you all find yourselves. And he says, Hear me as I pray, Lord. Be merciful. Answer me. My heart has heard you say, Come and talk to me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. So today, um, we're going to start worship and we're going to close out. But where are you guys? Where is this church? Where are your hearts? Where are your minds? Where is your soul resting? Because there's so much more. So much more. So as, as you feel that in your heart, whatever it is, that's God. Wherever it's in your heart or your mind that you're feeling something, that's the Lord. And so are you going to say, Lord, I'm coming? Or are you just going to push him away?